Hello and welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, I speak with Marie Drake, who is Quality Engineering Manager at Zoopla, blogger, conference speaker and Cyprus UK meetup organiser. We talk about Pack Nirvana and how to achieve it. We also touch upon subjects around celebrating small wins, enabling developers to test with modern tools and managing contracts at scale with Packflow. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Marie, and um, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Louis. Yeah, thank you for having me. Cool. So you uh, started a role uh, last year, was it last year at Zoopla um, as Quality Engineering Manager? So yeah, I just wanted to hear about your journey to there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I started February uh, of last year. So February 2021. So it's been a year and yeah, a couple of months. And the, re- ma- the main reason why I joined Zoopla was I wanted to officially try a, you know, people management role. So in the past, I've always been an mm-hmm. individual contributor. So before going to Zoopla, I was a principal test automation engineer in Miss UK. I I was sort of doing people management, but I only really had two direct reports. So most of my day-to-day tasks is still focused on individual like contributor. And I kind of wanted to try the other side and see what it's like. And so, yeah, after a year, uh, here I am. And in terms of like what I actually do in my role, so it's quite varied. So um, I split my tasks into the people management route. So uh, currently I have uh, four direct reports. I'm going to have one more coming June. So we've hired a mobile uh, QE. Mm-hmm. So there's also the domain like leadership. So in Zoopla, we are broken down into three different domains. We've got the home domain, marketplace, and transact. So I mainly look after the quality side on the home domain. Mm-hmm. Um and then lastly I also help out you know uh different like product teams so if they need some QE support or if they need someone you know to um help with contract testing for example or like story shaping or people might know it as the um the amigo session then I also get involved yeah. um around that so it's much more different from my previous role because in my previous role I'm just part of you know one team whereas in this role I guess the impact is much more uh wider and I get to interact with yeah different parts of the businesses as well cool yeah that's really interesting to hear that you're still kind of getting your hands hands in and also have the, yeah. the management side of things I think that's that's a nice balance yeah definitely you still find time somehow for speaking at meetups organizing meetups blogging so how do you find time for that as well as juggling parenthood <laughs> yeah I have to admit it's very hard um especially you know with the pandemic but I don't know I I, I get this question you know a lot like even from you know my blog I would have people asking questions like how do you find the time like from Twitter as yeah. well and if I'm being honest I I don't know I just I just do it <laughs> I guess it helps because I I do bullet journaling um mm-hmm. every day it helps to you know like break down the list of things that I want to do so I yeah. mark the top three goals that I want to do for today so I'm quite um, structured when it comes to my journaling and I think that's been helping I started this bullet journal 
think maybe two like yeah, uh, two to three years ago. I did stop midway, but yeah, yeah, last year I restarted again and it's it's been really like a massive help in terms of like the focus and concentration. I have to admit though, like for example, some mm-hmm. days uh it is, you know, difficult to SYS with, you know, like a five year old. So for example, with work, she yeah. is part of my meetings. Yeah. Um You've probably seen some of my meetups where I've got my daughter running around in the background. And like, I've just yeah. accepted that <laughs> now that, you know, people are still here to, I guess, listen or people are here to learn from my lessons or from my experiences as well I'm as a tester. And I think yeah. uh, they just see it as an added entertainment <laughs> that my daughter is that my daughter yeah, is exactly. part of the um testing community so i've just accepted it and i think it's just much better to view it like that rather than seeing it as a uh, negative yeah. yeah no that's really really cool yeah my my wife does a, a one sentence a day which let where she like reflects on the mm. day and also kind of talks about what yeah. what she liked about the day and i think that's a really nice way to like yeah. as you say be able to recall information because yeah it can be easy to do a day of work and and not really remember what you actually did and it's also the small wins as well like it's important to reflect on those small wins yeah that is exactly true and that's something that I've introduced to my direct reports as well. So last year, we started doing this like wins mm. of the week. It's like a document that, you know, I've asked them, you know, uh, to update. So it's up to them if they want to add whatever wins they have. But basically, it's just a um, record of, you know, the things that, that they have done yeah. well, but things that they are, you know, proud of as well. Because I think you're right. It's quite easy for us to just forget we've done I think having that document as yeah. well. So if you're, I guess, doing the management like type of things, it's easier as well to track progress that your direct reports um have done. And it's a great way for yeah. um, conversations as well. You can open up opportunities and you know say to them, oh, I've seen that you know you want to focus on this area. Maybe we can explore this in the next quarter or so. Another thing that you've said that yeah. was really great is yeah it's just good to reflect on what you've done so i've actually started doing like monthly reviews mm. um as part of my blog yeah. so it's just things like what i've done at zoopla what i've done within mm. the community any personal developments as well and just things that i enjoyed as part of that month because i think nowadays you know we're still in that pandemic so it's quite easy to you know just say mm-hmm. just to you know say things like oh like it's not still back to normal but if you're yeah. regularly writing you know reflections every week or every month i guess it makes it easier yeah cool so let's let's get into your contract testing experience because i mean yeah i've been following you for for a while and like following your blogs mm-hmm. and the packed nirvana came up so yeah but when when did you start looking at contract testing and where when did you start getting involved in it i so i i guess i started when i was still back at news uk so um i don't know if you remember but I actually attended one of your talks uh, in person about contract testing. I think that was in mm-hmm. British Museum or some or like somewhere like that. I can't yeah, remember the, the exact. National Testing Conference. Yes, that like one. That. Yeah. So during that point, I was already 
getting some involvement around contract testing although my understanding is still very you know basic my knowledge about it i was still like getting confused as to how it mm-hmm. was different from like integration testing so you could say around 2019 sure. but the main reason why i was looking at contract yeah. testing was news uk we were trying to create a um, a new product called newskit api and the main idea is it's a federated GraphQL, which basically calls different mm-hmm. the providers, and then the main consumer will just call the NewsKit API. Mm-hmm. So during that time, contract testing made sense in a way that, you know, how can we test that the data that the GraphQL layer is returning is what the consumer was expecting. So I started looking at alternatives, started looking at PAC. Mm. I did my, it was like a project in GitHub that I created. It was just a basic API which returns, you know, list of movies. Uh So I've, I've been playing around, you know, how to integrate the contract testing on both the provider and uh, the consumer side. But then when I left News UK and then I joined Zoopla, so contract testing was something that they already had in place. So there was a pack broker already. Sure. There was a, like they have the contract test written from a consumer perspective. However, none of the providers have been created. So there was no buy-ins yet from the provider. Uh-huh. Luckily enough, the product team that I'm part of, um, it's uh-huh. predominantly back-end focus. So we were going to create, you know, a brand new API. So sure. At that time, I was just thinking, okay, this might be the perfect opportunity to be involved in contract testing again. Yep, I spoke with our tech leads, explained the benefits, did a spike on whether or not we can Uh introduce contract testing as well in our legacy APIs. And during that time, bidirectional contract testing wasn't around yet. So when I did the spike, it was just agreed that we'll do it in our brand new APIs. So we started, you know, from there and then we created the provider tests. We've integrated things like can I deploy and make sure that before we deploy to production, we can check that are we safe to do it? Um, Is the contract still, you know, being like adhered to by, you know, both parties? And then we've also introduced, you know, after deploying our changes, we need to let Mm -hmm. PAC know that, you know, we've now deployed so we can use the tagging functionality. And I think now we're at a stage where, you know, there's more Mm buy-ins, more teams are now using uh, contract testing, We've now established it as a standard with our backend yeah. um, quality. And we're now working towards, you know, how can we adopt, you know, a pack flow? Because at the moment, we have our internal pack broker. So if we really want wider adoption within Zoopla, because at the moment, it's just, yeah. you know, a couple of teams across like uh, different domains. But what if we want to expand that? into a much wider scope, then we'll look into adopting Packflow because then we don't have to manage Mm -hmm. the Pack broker ourselves. And yeah, I think now it's definitely in a much better stage. Mm -hmm. You know, my understanding about it as well has definitely improved uh, compared to like previous years. Cool. Yeah, no, it's a really interesting journey because I've been on the other side where as a API-led team, 
we write the provider tests and then we were like we were trying mm-hmm. to get buy-in from the consumers and so yeah it's interesting that Zoopla had the the opposite problem ah, it's the opposite. Um, <laughs> but yeah that leads us on to to talk about some of the the benefits of contract testing and I kind of picked your brains for for my workshop and so that I could share some of the benefits because mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that is a big thing when you're starting out at contract testing is is why are we why are we doing this so yeah I think you touched upon can I deploy so what are the benefits that you see of using that yeah so I think the main benefits of this is it just gives you that extra confidence that what you're deploying to production isn't going to break you know, any of yeah. the um, like systems that we have integrated with. Initially, what we were doing is we have the can I deploy step, but even if that was failing, the deploy production job can still be triggered. So I've spoken with yeah. our senior engineer and said to him, oh, we need to make this as a required step. And ever since we've done that, you know, it's making sure that if there are breaking changes in the contract, so whether it's unexpected, you know, I guess change, at least we are aware that, oh, there's a change. Maybe we should speak to other teams about this first before deploying our change. And then also having that as part of our merge request yeah. pipelines makes it, I guess, much more safer because before you merge your changes, mm-hmm. you're getting early feedback if the changes that you've done, you know, hasn't made any adverse impact on um, your contract. Yeah. And I guess other benefits as well. So in terms of, you know, you don't really need dedicated mm-hmm. environments where you have all these different services like integrated together. I think that is definitely more efficient and we can test much earlier on yeah. because with the uh, contract testing, we just need to make sure that we have the contract uploaded and then the provider can then just run it against their local uh, service and replay the same verifications, uh, the same um, interactions, mm-hmm. and then verify if that is the correct like expectations. So yeah, I think it just it makes it easier as well to convince the rest of the engineering team. So yeah. what I've noticed is ever since we've adopted contract testing, like we're getting it's it's not just the QEs who's writing the tests. So the developers who are making the change you know they're adding new tests as part of the contract testing or they are updating the existing contract tests so we've basically enabled them to um, also think about you know testing and you know like quality um, like at earlier stages yeah I think that's really cool because lots of people have problems with their integration environments they find it difficult to come up yeah. with a solution to spin those up in your in your CI pipelines. So I think that's a really great example of where it can be used. And also you mentioned in the the club forum about documentation as well. So I think there's Swagger open API documentation. So how is this kind mm. of different, do you think? I I guess it's not more, you know, it's it's not more so that it's different. It's more of like it's an additional documentation uh for you and your team. Yeah. So especially because when, you know, we have a lot of these tests, sometimes it's quite difficult to understand oh, what tests have I written for, you know, which provider. Yeah. And I guess the contract definitely serves as your living documentation. So you can just open mm. Backbroker, expand the contract, and then you can see clearly like what 
what are the different interactions that have been registered by your consumer and what is the expected data type or the expected like form that they are that they are expecting from the provider so i think it just it it, it just adds as an additional documentation yeah. that you and your team can also consume yeah, that's really cool. And it's what you were saying about the relationship between quality engineers and and the developers writing the tests. I think that's a really good a good progress in, in respect to that. Yeah. Because that doesn't happen everywhere. And it's also, again, coming from a different, the opposite position where the yeah. devs are writing the contract tests. And then because the, the testers have their own separate repo for their tests then they're not really engaging with it and so i think it's good good that you're you're bridging that gap definitely i think the thing that we need to basically just remember is with tools like you know pack or like even other toolings out there that are you know much more modern i think it's bridging that gap between developers and testers because with this modern day tools, yeah. it's enabling you know engineers to think about testing and quality, uh, right? Like like right at the beginning. Yeah, definitely. So coming back to the Pax Nirvana situation, so in your blog you mentioned about in uh, integrating webhooks. What have you got left in order to achieve the the Nirvana? <laughs> Yeah, I think to be honest, we are pretty much there. The only thing that we still have to do is we need to migrate the tagging feature to, I guess, deployments and environments. But with the pack webhooks, like we've done that in a lot of our um, APIs. So at least if there are changes in the contract, because traditionally what would happen was if the can I deploy step has failed on our consumer they would ask myself or they would ask you know the other mm-hmm. keys just to say oh where can i trigger the provider because the error message would say that there is no verified sure. contract because it's like the contract has changed and then i would then have to trigger the different data sure, providers sure. so there is that manual intervention what's happened now is if there are changes in the contract it will automatically trigger yeah, the yeah. provider verification job not the entire pipeline but just the provider verification job on the different apis nice. like on, on on the different um, data providers and then now mm-hmm. we're thinking you know we can also migrate from tagging because i think the recommended approach now is to use environments and the releases because there's, I think from performance, um, if I'm not mistaken, like if the tags have accumulated a lot mm-hmm. in your path broker, there's some performance like consideration and I think going forward, they're gonna stop. They're gonna stop introducing features related to tags. So it just right. makes sense if we also migrate, you know, like away from that. And I think now because i i i mentioned that we're also looking at using packflow as a potential replacement to our pack broker so yeah. one of our senior qes uh he's he's um currently working on a business case around that but we've already sort of gotten to a stage where um, we've spoken with the packflow team we talked about directional contract testing yeah. our senior qe did a small voc on you know how we can migrate to Packflow and how we can utilize bidirectional and the next step is just really to get started with a business case so hopefully yeah for the next quarter that's is mm-hmm. that is something that we can um, achieve 
Awesome. Yeah, sounds like you're you're very close and, and you'll have that loop closed very soon. So that's really cool. Cool. So I think that's all I wanted to cover today. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And so where can people follow you, find your blog, all that stuff? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter at mcruzdrake. You can also find my blog at mariedrake.com. And if you want LinkedIn, yeah, I'm also on LinkedIn. But yeah, I'm mostly active, you know, on Twitter. So if you want to get in touch with me or just ask questions on any, you know, I guess not, not just about contract. I'm not just about contract testing, but any other questions that you have around, you know, testing or just, you know, other types of testing tools as well that I have experience. And yeah, um, I'm happy to help you with that. Yeah, I think those are my main social media. <laughs> cool. Yeah, you're yeah, you're active on, on those platforms. So I'm sure people will be able to find you. And I'm not sure when this episode will go out, whether it will be after the Cypress meetup or before, probably after. But yeah, it gets recorded, right? So people can watch that back. I guess a lot of people would actually want to know how you can use, you know, Cypress and, yeah. you know, Pack um, at the same time. So we do have that meetup that yourself, uh, Louis, is going to talk about. Cool. Yeah, I'll drop all the links in the, in the show notes. So yeah, take a mm-hmm. look there at that content of me talking again but this time about uh, <laughs> Cyprus and, and Pact. Again, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah. And yeah, I look forward to seeing your blog about reaching the Nirvana. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you again for having me.